0: you frustrated with the whole potty training process? Does it bother you that everyone else's kid seems to be getting the hang of it and yours isn't? Do you have a growing concern that your child might still be wearing pull-ups in high school? Well, then we have no idea why you would want to listen to this podcast because Ginger and I have no clue what to tell you. Potty training was not our forte, but actually we do have a few tips and words of encouragement for you. So we are glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. Ginger and I want to give a big Texas thank you to Jenny in Texas and Jordan in Texas. And Jordan actually said this, so grateful for your raw and biblical tips on how to be a better mom and to get to the heart of all of it. Thank you, ladies, both for your financial support as well as your huge encouragement. If you feel led to partner with us, please just go to com slash support to donate any amount. When our kids watch secular shows or read secular books, they'll often come across something that directly contradicts the Bible, and they'll ask a question like, is that true, mom? Did we come from apes? Is the earth billions of years old? Are there aliens on other planets? Our kids are growing up in a world that desperately needs the light of God's word. And it's increasingly more important to me that the resources I use to educate my kids are from a biblical worldview. This is why our family uses BJU Press. They offer trusted resources for homeschooling through video courses or parent-led instruction. Our family uses BJU Press video courses, and I love the fact that they are taught by knowledgeable and engaging experts in their fields. And what's really great about the video courses is that all three of our kids, including our first grader, can work independently and at their own pace. But if you would rather facilitate your child's homeschooling, if that's more your speed, BJU Press offers numerous resources so that you can manage the different learning styles of your child, know what your student is learning so you can influence instruction, and create a totally customized learning experience. BJU Press Homeschool offers resources to meet the educational needs of your family in a way that will equip your kids for a life of gospel impact. Just go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and get what you need to give your child a solid biblical education. Again, that's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Well, hey there, Ginger. Let's jump right in with today's potty question. Jennifer in New York says this. Hi, Ginger, I read your books and I really appreciate them. Thank you for your ministry. I'm wondering if you have any advice on potty training. My son is four and a half and not completely potty trained. What makes it frustrating is that he was fully trained for six months and then greatly regressed. There was nothing out of the ordinary that happened or any changes in his life to cause a regression. I've done some research on it, and I've also bought two webinars from a professional potty trainer. Her advice helped me more the first time around. It's hard to know what is behavioral and what isn't because there are physical issues related to. Would you ever discipline in the case of refusal to try sitting on the potty, et cetera? Those are the kinds of questions we have. Thanks for any help you can offer. So Ginger, before you give your response, I think we can officially check professional potty trainer off of our list of possible career paths.
1: If anything happens (laughs) to this and
0: yeah, we just need to not even consider professional potty trainer. That's
1: right. That's right. Jennifer, when I speak at events, I love for moms to ask me questions about anything and everything related to parenting except potty training. As Katie said, that was not my forte. (laughs) I always tell folks, uh, you're asking the wrong person. As I prepared uh, to potty train my own kids, I had lots of information and books and got lots of advice from lots of folks. I wanted to use the latest and the greatest methods, Uh, but potty training, it was still an uphill battle with both of my kids. Looking back, I believe the main reason it took so long is because I started too early. Mm. I don't think my kids were ready. So many of my friends were potty training. Um, at 18 months and even some younger Whoa. and having great success with it. And if kids are ready that early, that's great. But mine were obviously not ready that early. So my encouragement is to not be in such a hurry if your child isn't showing signs of being ready. Don't give in to the peer pressure of feeling like your child is behind other kids. There is no perfect or ideal age to potty train because all kids develop and mature differently. Mm -hmm. So my advice is to be sensitive to your child and their developmental state and don't rush into potty training before they're ready. The training will likely be easier and they will likely catch on sooner if you watch for signs of readiness.
0: So like when they're old enough to get a job to pay for their own diapers, that would be a sign of readiness.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely a sign. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Okay. But Ginger, what are some of the signs of readiness that parents can watch for?
1: Well, one sign that you might notice is that they go off by themselves or their facial expressions change when they start going in their diaper. Those signs indicate that there is an awareness of what's happening, which is a step toward readiness. Or it could be that they show interest in the toilet because they've seen mom or dad or an older sibling using it. Another sign of readiness is the ability to communicate other sensations like being hungry or thirsty or tired. For some kids, especially kids who don't like change, like mine, starting too early can definitely prove counterproductive when they're used to pooping in their diaper whenever they want, then suddenly they're being forced to go to the potty. They might fight that change by holding it, which can lead to constipation. Mm -hmm. Then using the potty becomes a painful experience, which can lead to anxiety and fear. Also, the potty itself can be stressful and invoke fear. I've heard experts suggest allowing them to become familiar with the new potty before even starting the potty training process. Maybe allow them to paint their new potty or put stickers on it or allow them to watch a show or color while sitting on it just so they know that the potty itself is nothing to be afraid of. Also make sure it's a potty where their feet can touch the floor. Dangling feet can be uncomfortable and scary for a small child. And from a physical standpoint, dangling feet can also hinder bowel movements, which again can cause constipation. So it's also recommended to have a stool to rest their feet on when transitioning to the regular toilet. We want them to relate using the potty to relief, not pain. Alex, my daughter, was super sensitive to loud noises. So she would cover her ears when toilets were flushed. It was just... Overwhelmingly loud for her. Mm-hmm. My kids didn't have a problem with this, but several of the potty training books I read talked about how some children freak out when they see their poop being flushed down the toilet. <laughs> they relate it to losing a part of their body, like an arm or a leg.
0: Okay. I will never be able to not think of that now. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing. That's hilarious. But I can see why that would be traumatizing for a small child if they think it's an appendage that's going
1: to it is It is. It uh, is. And, and, Katie, I think it's more common than you might think. I actually probably. had a friend whose toddler struggled with that fear, uh, which made pooping in the potty a very traumatic experience for him. Yeah. The point is that we shouldn't wave off their fears as if they were unimportant or silly. Instead, we want to be sensitive to discuss and help calm their fears, which are very real to them. For a Mm. child who does have a similar struggle, we might say something like, Honey, God made your arms to hug and to carry things. God made your legs to walk and run and skip. And God made your poop to be flushed down the toilet because it's stinky.
0: Okay. If I'm being honest, I'm glad it never got to that point with me and my kids. I don't see me saying that. I just don't. (laughs) I don't see
1: you saying that either. (laughs) Okay. Well,
0: even though you're not a professional potty trainer, let's hear what method you used with your kids.
1: One popular method when mine were little was to take off their diapers and spend the whole day in the kitchen, allowing them to drink lots of liquids so that they would have to go often, with the idea being to practice getting to the potty quickly as soon as they felt that urge so that they got the hang of it in one day. We had the potty in the kitchen with us, so it was quick to get to. Having their diapers off enabled me to catch them in the act and usher them to the potty as soon as they started going. And of course, they would get lots of praise and encouragement when they hit the target, even if it was only with some of it. (laughs) We kept a basket of books to read and a few games so that it was a positive experience. It was uh, for my kids and me. It was. It wasn't just a day of potty training. It, it was also a day of fun with mom. That method was known back in my day as potty training in one day. And I know people who had great success with it. But like I said, it did not work for my kids. They continued to have accidents for years and. Both were chronic bedwetters for years, even after they had mastered the skill of daily potty training. So I have no idea why I agreed to do a podcast on potty (laughs) training because I am absolutely, (laughs) obviously not the expert. As I said earlier, all I can do here is offer advice and encouragement based on what I've read, not on my own experience.
0: Okay. So I want to point one thing out, Ginger, because we had this conversation in the airport the other day that I have this major hotel phobia. And so I am I bring my own sheets and I disinfect everything in the room. And Ginger's like, but you don't wash your hands constantly when we're in the airport. And Ginger's big on hand washing. But the idea of someone who's that serious about some hand washing and food cleanliness and all of that, having a potty in the kitchen it's just but comical to But I
1: everything. I mean, as soon as I this whole know. fiasco is over, I mean, I had out the Lysol and mopping the floors and all that. But, but yeah, even Katie, having it in
0: the kitchen, like just the idea. So it's funny how we're, we're neurotic we are about so different, different
1: <laughs> I know. It's like, I think you're a germaphobic and you think I am. But yeah, I mean, so you're so crazy when we get in the hotel room with wanting everything disinfected, everything clean, won't even sleep on the sheets. And then that's we it. sit down to eat after Katie has touched all the <laughs> nasty things in the airport that everybody else with their nasty hands have touched. And then she grabs half of my hamburger, mind you, off my plate. I washed without- my hands. Oh, that's right. You- that's because I thought yes. you went to it. She shamed me I'm- into washing yeah, my like, hands. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I cannot
0: believe you are not going to wash your hands. <laughs> it's
1: different strokes. We I all had just forgotten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: anyway, okay. So I was in a similar situation to you, Ginger, with both of my boys. Our daughter was a breeze to potty train. In fact, she was potty trained in one day after watching my cousin's daughter go to the potty. So Avery, our daughter, was two. My cousin's daughter was three. And Avery was like, yeah, okay, so I think I'll do that now. And, and then that was it. I think she was two <laughs> and a half, wow. maybe pushing three, but it had nothing to do with me. It was completely her doing and on her timetable, as mm-hmm. many things with her are. But with both <laughs> of my boys, this was a major uphill battle. Since we had struggled so much with our oldest, when it came time to train our youngest, I thought I would try what you did with yours, Ginger. So when he was two— We had a full day of nudity for him, not all of us, but just for Grayson. (laughs) Glad you clarified that. Yeah, I just need to clarify, (laughs) where we let him run around naked and drink fluids like crazy. And do you know what that little stinker did? He walked over to our kitchen table leg and peed on it like a dog marking his territory. (laughs) We never had a dog. He didn't know what that looked like. He just did it instinctively like an animal. I gave up after that. I was like, forget it. I just, I had experienced it with our oldest. You know, I could force the issue for weeks and months on end, or I could just let nature run its course and figure he would probably be potty trained when he was good and ready. And it did take a long time with him. I think he was pushing for maybe, but Mm -hmm. I know now that he has a much harder time regulating his bladder than our other two and that he honestly couldn't control it to the degree I had expected at such a young age. And I feel about potty training now the same way I feel about teaching a child to read. There is no reason to have this schedule that we have in our minds of when a child ought to be able to do what. You can start from birth if you'd like with both of these things, teaching a child to read, potty training, you'll just be doing it for longer. And Mm -hmm. not unlike teaching a child to read, you can actually do more harm than good if you start too soon. And I'll explain more about that in just a minute. But Ginger, other than parents having questions about what age to start and which method to use, what other type of questions do you get about potty training specifically?
1: Actually, the two questions I get most about potty training are in regards to bribing and discipline. You guys know that I'm not about bribing a child to obey. Mm -hmm. Giving them a reward in order to get them to obey encourages them in selfishness because their motive for obeying is, sure, I'll obey for what I can get out of it. And Mm -hmm. that's a selfish reason. Children should be taught to obey their parents because it's right and because it pleases God not to get a reward. So children should be disciplined for direct disobedience, but we can't categorize accidents while potty training as direct disobedience. Mm. There are too many emotional and physical factors that play into potty training to determine if kids messing their pants is an accident or an act of defiance. So since we can't make that call with complete confidence, it's wise to not make potty training a discipline issue. Instead, it should be viewed as an undeveloped skill that requires lots of practice from children and lots of patience from parents. It's just one of those issues that they have to practice until they master it. And for some, it's a quick learn. And for others, it takes months or like mine, even years. But during that training and learning process, accidents should not be viewed as defiance. And as far as bribing, the incentive of treats when they go in the potty is different from bribing. Bribing them with a treat for behavior modification is not the same as rewarding them for honing a skill. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with being rewarded for accomplishments. When skills are recognized and rewarded, that brings a sense of satisfaction and encouragement. So I think that's a great idea. I had no problem giving my kids a treat when they got it right. I kept a jar of M&Ms in the bathroom, and they got one M&M each time they used the potty. Now, I will say that I had to stop offering treats when they became clever enough to stop peeing midstream in order to save some to get another M&M five minutes later. (laughs) Believe me. I'm sorry. (laughs) I like how you say (laughs) M&M. You say
0: M and M Do I say it weird? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I say it weird. I say M and M.
1: M and M say I say M and M Sorry, emphasis on. on the different on the second syllable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's syllable. Believe me, if your kids though become skilled enough to stop and start midstream, they've mm-hmm. got it. You've yeah. done your job. Uh, okay, so Jennifer, I, I want to also want to answer um, your other question. You asked if I would discipline in the case of a refusal to sit on the potty. Like if you command the child to go sit on the potty and they refuse to do that. Is that a discipline issue? You said that your four-year-old was potty trained for six months, then reverted, and you're having a hard time knowing what's behavioral and what isn't. Well, I had that same experience with both of my kids. They would seem to have it, and they would do well for a while, and then I don't know why, but for whatever reason, they would revert. And from what I've read, Jennifer, that's very common. The thing is, we can't know for certain what emotional and physical issues might be playing a part in a child having accidents or reverting. We also can't know for certain when our kids really have to go, which is why I would caution parents to not force their kids to go sit on the potty. Mm -hmm. To force them to go sit on the potty when they actually don't have to go can be confusing and frustrating and even traumatic. And it can lead them to uh, actually dreading and even resenting bathroom time.
0: So Ginger, I've heard urologists say that forcing anyone, child or adult, to sit and go potty when they don't feel that urge isn't wise. It can lead to physiological problems with their bladder that might make the process even more difficult. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I think parents who are considering potty training a child younger than two might want to research what pediatric urologists have to say about that. I'll have Heather put a link in the show notes to an interesting article I read on this topic. But Dr. Steve Hodges is a pediatric urologist who specializes in toilet training problems, and he makes a very compelling case for not even attempting to potty train until the age of three. He knows from research and his own experience that kids who are trained by two years old have more problems. And here's why he believes that's the case. The reason kids who train at 2 have more of these problems than children who train later, in my opinion, is that they have spent more months or years deciding for themselves when they should pee or poop before they're mature enough to understand the importance of eliminating as soon as they feel the urge. What's more, the bladder needs about three or four years to grow and develop, and uninhibited voiding, read diapers, facilitates maximum growth. Dr. Hodges went on to say, Parents often tell me their child has accidents because she has a, quote, small bladder, as if an undersized bladder is something the child was born with. The child's bladder may be small, but that's because its capacity has been compromised by holding. Hmm. Do you know how often, and he he continues, do you know how often I see children who are still in diapers and have recurrent UTIs? Never. Do you know how often I treat newly potty trained children for recurrent UTIs? every day. wow! These kids fill a quarter of my clinic. This is not a coincidence and demonstrates quite clearly that potty training in very young children is harmful. That's the Mm -hmm. end of the quote. I find that very interesting, and I hope it's a relief for those parents with a three-year-old who believe they're way behind the curve. You're not, and please don't feel pressured to potty train your child before they are physiologically ready to do so.
1: Yeah, that makes so much sense. I wish I would have had that information when mine were little. Same. I would have definitely, definitely waited until they were older. So, Ginger, what are some tips you have
0: as far as things to avoid when potty training?
1: Well, Katie, I have three tips. First, avoid starting the potty training process while other changes are taking place or when you're not in your normal routine or environment because that can add unnecessary stress. Mm. So it's not recommended to start when you're on vacation or if you've maybe just moved into a new house or there's a new baby or a company staying with you. Waiting until things are settled and as normal and routine as possible will help the child feel more secure and comfortable with the change. Second... Avoid setting deadlines. In other Mm. words, if you try to use those methods that claim a child can be potty trained in one week or one day or one hour hour or one minute or whatever they're doing these days, (laughs) like I did, be willing to chew up the meat and spit out the bones. There's nothing wrong with trying those methods as long as you're willing to accept that it may not work in one week or one day with your child. We have to consider the unique temperaments and developmental rates of our kids. Because they all develop mentally, physically, and emotionally at different rates, there's no specific age or one-size-fits-all method for potty training that works for all kids. Mm. The third tip is to avoid scolding or shaming the child. Our attitude should reflect that learning to go to the bathroom is a normal and natural part of life and that accidents are to be expected. Keeping that perspective and attitude helps make the whole process less stressful for us and our children. Scolding or shaming them for accidents can invoke unhealthy emotions, which can prove counterproductive. I know constant accidents are frustrating and time consuming, but it's best to not make a big deal out of them. First Corinthians says that love is patient. Love is kind. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. Mm -hmm. So let's ask the Lord to help us respond with love and and to not show annoyance and frustration as we clean those messes. Let's have an accidents happen mentality. And a matter of fact, this is just part of life attitude and tone with our kids. Some recommend having the child help with cleanup, not as punishment, but just to help teach them the responsibility of helping clean their messes, which is not a bad idea. And then look ahead with a positive attitude for the next opportunity to go in the potty. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is
0: courtesy of my kid's former pediatrician. We loved her and miss her. Uh, She lives in Birmingham. But one of our kids struggled with nighttime bedwetting for long enough that we grew concerned this child would actually outgrow the pull-ups and we'd have to move to adult-sized diapers. Uh, This child simply slept so hard that waking up to go potty was impossible. So our pediatrician recommended an alarm that clips to the child's underwear and the moment it senses wetness, this alarm will sound so loudly that it will wake the dead. Only it didn't wake this child. So my husband mm-hmm. and this is what the this is what they recommend in the manual for this. My husband slept in the room for about 8 weeks until this child's brain eventually equated that sensation with the need to go, and then was able to arouse from a deep sleep. It took time, and our pediatrician warned us all of this. But after that period of time, it was never, not once, an issue again. So we'll have Heather put a link in the show notes to the alarm we used, but I'm sure there are many different ones out there that can work. Just be prepared. This is not an easy solution as far as parental involvement. You have to wake up with the child the moment that alarm sounds in order to train their brain to act on that urge. It's exhausting, but it's worth it. And I can say that because I didn't have to do it.
1: (laughs) My sweet husband did it instead for me. Brian Morgan is a good man. (laughs) Plus Katie, you couldn't have been the one to do it because I've slept in hotel rooms with you and you sleep like the dead. There's the alarm wouldn't have woken me. You wouldn't have woken up with the alarm and you have that gagging disorder. I do. I do have that as well. There's that. I'm so thankful for my husband. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be
0: any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubber.com slash quick tips to submit those. All right, Ginger, for those parents and grandparents out there who think their little ones will be in diapers forever, can you please leave them with a final word of encouragement?
1: For some of us, potty training is one of those issues that can be frustrating and exhausting and seemingly unending. But when we ask God to help us approach it with patience and grace, it can be used by Him to reflect His love and kindness to our children. So let's approach His throne and ask for His strength to get through the tough and sometimes long process of potty training so that in years to come, we can look back on that season knowing that God used that time to do a work in our hearts and the hearts of our kids. Thank you so much, Ginger. And thank you listeners for joining us. If you
0: enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you take a moment to leave us a rating or a review? This really, truly helps us get the word out about our podcast so that many other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash ask Ginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering a 10% discount on her audio series called Reaching the Heart of Your Child, which is available in CD format or as a digital download. This three-session series is based on the content of Ginger's best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, and it addresses topics such as how to reach the heart of your child, how to give a biblical reproof, and the biblical use of the rod. The digital download is perfect for our international listeners because there are no shipping costs, and if you enter the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com, you can get 10% off. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.
1: Alex, my daughter, she was super sensitive to loud noises. Noises? I keep saying noises. Noises. She was so sensitive (laughs) to all those noises in her life.